You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I think one of the most unique things about America, as opposed to the rest of the world, is we have a very active and optimistic culture. Um, of course, that makes sense, since most of America was settled by people who left their family and their home and their whole life behind to come to a new place and start something new. And so we have that, uh, sometimes people will call it an entrepreneurial spirit, an active uh, spirit that says, go out and do it. And you can see that in some of the ways that we, we talk about, about life, um, different proverbs that we have for our own personal being. One of the best ones is that old Bible quote, God helps those who help themselves. You're laughing because you know it's not in the Bible, right? have to make sure. Uh, but that is what people believe is in there. Um, but my favorite, I think, is the Nike one, just do it. We're very active. And sometimes that can get us into trouble, especially when we take that active relationship, that active idea, into our relationship with God. The psalm today talks about how we don't and aren't active but the one who is blessed in Christ is the one who waits for the Lord. And you can see that in, as we go through three different themes here. It starts out this way. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out of the pit of the destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. So it says, he waited and then God saved him. And further, it says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. And so the person is blessed who waits for God's salvation, who doesn't go out and try to change his life against God's will, but just says, God, I know you're coming to save me. And then rejoices in that. I will proclaim of and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. He rejoices in the wondrous works of God and proclaims them to the world. We can see this in the life of the one who wrote this, King David. King David waited for the Lord to save him. And I think the best places where we see this are the two times when Saul went out to hunt and kill David, and David had Saul in his sights, could have easily destroyed him, and didn't. The first time, David was hiding way in the back of the cave, and Saul's army was all out in front of the cave mouth, and Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. And while Saul was all alone, David goes up and cuts a corner off his robe. Everybody around him says, go and kill the king. If you kill the king, you'll be safe. 
But David didn't disobey God. David knew God would save him. God would bring him to be the king. He should not kill the Lord's anointed. Saul, who's trying to kill him. The second time this happened, Saul had again come out to hunt and try to kill David, and the army was camped down below David's position, and David snuck in. He snuck in through the guards, past all of the soldiers, and into the tent. And his companion said, there, Saul is asleep, he is, he is vulnerable, you can get him. And David takes his spear and slams it down, sticks it into the ground next to Saul, and walks away. Two times, he could have fought off his enemy. Two times, he could have defeated the man who wanted to hunt and kill him, but he waited for God's salvation. And it came. David didn't have to go after Saul. David didn't have to hunt and strike God's king. Eventually, Saul was killed in battle, and David raised up as the next king. And all the problems that would have happened if David had taken action didn't. He didn't have to fight off the the kids of Saul. He didn't have to try to gather support and make himself king. He was raised up. He waited for the Lord, and the Lord saved him. We can also see this in the life of our Savior, Jesus himself. Jesus faced a lot of enemies. He faced a lot of people who came after him and tried to hurt him, and in fact, succeeded. At one time, Jesus was uh, tempted by his disciples to use that kind of divine power that he had to go after his enemies. In Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus is heading da- down towards Jerusalem towards the, for the last week of his life, and this is what happens. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Can you imagine? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. See, the disciples, they know the power that Jesus has. The power to... Uh, destroy the enemies, the power to end his suffering. He could have called down on angels to come and defeat all the soldiers who had arrested him. When he was nailed to the cross, he could have hopped down, healed all his wounds, and amazed everyone, just like the, the Pharisees asked him to do. He could have done any number of things to save himself, but he didn't. He waited for God's salvation. Can you imagine being in that position, having all of that power, all of that might, being able to do whatever he wanted and just saying, no, God will save me. I can imagine that I'd be able to do that. That I'd be able to be patient as the worst things in the world happen to me. Which is why Jesus did it for us instead of us. Why he was so patiently waiting for his father to save him. Because he knew we couldn't. 
And his sacrifice gives us that life that we need, salvation that we need. I like to contrast Jesus' life, waiting for God's promise with the life of Abraham. You know about Abraham's story. When he was uh, 76 years old, God came to him and told him to go to the promised land, and he would make him into a great nation, and the whole world would be blessed by him. So Abraham went to the promised land. He knew that God would give him a son, and he got there, and he waited for 10 years. Abraham was 76 when he got here. His wife was 66. They waited for 10 years. You can see why Abraham complained to God so many times. You haven't given me a son. So at 10 years, uh, Abraham and Sarah got together and they decided they were going to fix it. So Sarah gave Abraham Hagar and they had a child, Ishmael. And there were all sorts of problems that came from that. Um, Sarah started to mistreat Hagar because Hagar got proud. She went to Sarah and said, I could have a baby and you couldn't. Nah, 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 nah. Sarah mistreated Hagar. Hagar ran away. The angel sent Hagar back. And eventually, once the son was born, they sent Hagar away again. It was even later that the promise finally happened. Abraham was a hundred years old when the men finally came up to, up to him to make that promise. Sarah was 90 years old when she became pregnant. How many years is that after they got the promise? How many years? 14? Is that right? Did I do the math right? I think I did. 24? See, that's why they don't, they don't make me an accountant. 24 years after the promise, when they are just about dead, God saves them. What if they had just waited? What if they just said, God will save me. God will come through on his promises. All that trouble would have been avoided. And we finally see Abraham understanding that when God calls on him to walk up the mountain and sacrifice his son, his son, who was a teenager at the time, Abraham walks up and says, God will save me. All I got to do is listen to him. All I got to do is follow. And God will save this promise that he gave me, even if I kill it. He waited, and God saved him. And we can see that. The call to wait for the Lord in our salvation. Because we know we can't actually go out and achieve eternal life ourselves. We can't call God's blessing down on us. This is what first, uh, Colossians says about that. In Colossians chapter 2, it says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to shame by triumphing over them. 
Paul talks about all of the enemies that we can't defeat on our own. He talks about our sin, which we can't get rid of. He talks about the rulers and authorities and the powers, Satan and death, that we cannot defeat. And he says, just wait. God's already done it for you. And how much pain does that avoid when we don't look to our own actions to call ourselves holy? When we don't have to point to our own volunteering in the church or our own prayers or our own devotion to God and we just say, I'm waiting. You've saved me. How much easier is it when we wait for the Lord to solve our problems in our lives? Instead of going out and being active in hurting the people who hurt us, instead of going out and trying to take control of the world around us, we do just what God says. We listen to Him and we trust that He has the plan. We trust that He will take care of our, of our lives. He will give us salvation. He will protect us through no matter what happens, no matter what kind of dangers we face or hunger or poverty or whatever. And we just wait. We wait for him to come. Because blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who waits for his salvation, who says, God, you are coming, I will be safe. How much trouble could we avoid? How much heartache could we get rid of if we simply said, God, I trust you. Take care of me. See, that is the new song that we would sing, the joy of God coming to us and saying, God is my salvation. I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry because Jesus died on the cross to save me. The Lamb of God took away my sin. That is what we rejoice in. So we wait for our Savior to come and save us. In His name, Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaberwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lambs.